This is KMTT, Kimi Tzion, Tetzei Torah. And today the Shur in Parshat HaShavua. The Shur Parshat HaShavua for Sefer Bamidbar, the entire Sefer Bamidbar, will be given by Harav Alex Israel. Shalom, this is Alex Israel speaking from Alon Shavut. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, Parshat Balak. Um... Balak is quite a parsha. Um, we're not quite sure what to make of it. What is this idea of this uh, man who should come and curse the people? Uh, what does it mean to curse the people? If I stand up and curse the people, do they get cursed? What happens to them? Does why does God care about the curse of a of a strange uh, man? Bilam certainly strikes us as being very very strange. Uh, what exactly is going on here? Um, the Torah itself tells us that this story is an expression of God's love. Uh, it says in Sefer Devarim, Perach Haf Gimel, V'asher secha alechet bilam ben be'or mipetor aram naharayim lekalelecha v'lo ava Hashem alokecha lishmol bilam. God did not want to listen to bilam. V'yafoch Hashem alokecha lecha et haklala libracha. He changed the curse to a blessing. Ki ahevcha Hashem elokecha. Because uh, God loved you so much. In other words, uh, this is an expression of God's uh, exceptional love for Am Yisrael. The Gemara in Balbatra talks about the idea that uh, the parsha Bilam was meant to have this uh, exceptional place. It was meant to even be put uh, in, in, in Kriyat Shema in some way, which is uh, quite radical. There's some expression... Shema, we talk about our love for God. It's an expression of God's love for us. That God cares so much about Am Yisrael's reputation that he won't let anyone curse us. But let's... Uh, I'd like to start off with two questions, and I, I, I hope the time will allow us to cover both of the questions. Um, I'd like to start off by understanding uh, something... You know, We'll raise some questions and we'll see where we can go with them. Um... Balak is the king of Moab, and he is the person who summons the prophet Bilam. Um, the question is why he why he summons him for what? Okay, it says, "Vayishlach malachim al Bilam ben Baor Petorah she'al mahar eretz bnei Amoli Krolo." He sends to a place called Petor, which is right up in Mesopotamia. And he says, There is a people who came out of Egypt. They're covering the whole land. They're right next to me. They're too strong for me. Maybe I'll be able to smite them. Because I know that whoever you bless will be blessed. And whoever you curse will be cursed. There are a few questions here. Um, and one of them relates to the question of, is Bilam, what is this power of Bilam? Is Bilam really got this amazing power to curse and bless? And that's, uh, Chazal put this into a, a different uh, way of talking. When Chazal asked the question very simply, is Bilam a... Navi or a Kosem? The Gemara in Sanhedrin raises exactly that question. Is Bilam a Navi or a Kosem? 
a Qasem means a, a wizard of some sort, or a, but essentially a Qasem is not sent by God. Uh, we say in Sefer Tevarim um, that the nations of Canaan, El Moronim, El Qasmimi they listen to all sorts of soothsayers and all sorts of black magic, but uh, that is not the way we're meant to be. Um, this, in fact, is uh, the way of the nations of Canaan. But Ata lochein atan Hashem alokecha navi mikir b'cham yechacha kamoni yakim lecha Hashem alokecha elav tishmaun. In other words, uh, we're saying that the nations of Canaan uh, listen to a uh, kosmim, to wizards, to people who practice black magic and all sorts of dark arts. Uh, but we listen to a navi. There's the kosem and the navi. Which one is is Bilam? That's uh, going to be our first question. A second question, which has always puzzled me, is the role of Midian along with Moab. Balak is the king of Moab, and he seems to be the main instigator here. He is the king who hires uh, Bilam. However, at the beginning of the Parsha, uh, we see a different group who go along with them. It says at the beginning of Parshat Balak that who goes to actually... Uh, who, who starts talking? Moav um, talked to to Midian, um, and later on it says, uh, "The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian go to hire Bilam." And then later on, everything is Balak, 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 Balak. There's no mention of Midian. It's all Moab. The entire story of the uh, Mizbachot, of the various sacrifices of Bilam, takes place in the royal court of Moab. And only right, right, right at the end of the parasha do we see um, Midian return. And that is in the awful event of Balpa'or, where if you look in chapter 25, But then... Who is the perpetrator of this crime? We hear later that the Shema Isha Muka Midianit Kosbi Batsor Rosh Umot Beit Av Bebinyanhu. She is one of the leaders of Midian, and in fact, after this uh, debacle of the uh, Balpaor, Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells us Tsaroret Amidianim Vehikitem Otam Kitsarim Heim Lachem Benichlehem Ashenikru Lachem Al Devar Paor. That Midian are the real perpetrators here, not Moav. Moav get off lightly. What I'm saying is, at the beginning of the story, Moab and Midian seem to be in cahoots. Then Midian would appear to disappear, go a different way, and uh, Moab take up the, the bulk of the story, and then Midian reappear at the end of the story. What exactly is, is happening here? So these are our two questions, and we're going to see how far we have time to answer them in the time allotted to us. Um, let's start off with the notion of, of, of uh, is Bilam a Navi? Is he a prophet? Or is he some sort of uh, practitioner of the dark arts? Um, there are, of course... Um, uh, by the way, this is, of course, a, a critical, critical question. Because if he's a Navi, then we understand the story. Uh, a Navi wants to... A Navi has real power. We see the power of a Navi, for example, Avraham in the story of Avimelech, to actually pray and change things. We see the notion of, of Moshe, to, who's able to intercede with the Rabbanu Shalom in order to save the people. 
And uh, Moshe is able to pray in the story of Korach that we just read a couple of weeks ago, uh, that the people be be killed. And Navi has real power. He's real. Of course, if Bilam is a Kosem, then we don't understand the story at all. Uh, if he's got no real powers, then, then what's going on? The story seems to be more of a farce. I mean, sometimes the story seems to be a little farcical anyway. Um, and so here is, here is an interesting uh, discussion. Arashi uh, is probably the most famous, uh, who says that he really was a Navi. So says Rashi at the beginning of the parsha. if you ask, why did God rest his Shekhinah, why did God uh, present himself to a, uh, a non-Jew who was evil? Answer, why did he do it? Uh, so that the non-Jews can't turn around to God and say, "Listen, if you would have given us Nevi'im like Moshe, then we would have gone back. We would have we would have been on the straight and narrow. We would have been ethical." You see, they got Nevi'im, and look what these Nevi'im did. How do we know? Because we know, as it mentions later on in Parshat uh, uh, Matot, that uh, Bilam actually gave them the advice um, for the Znut at the end of the Parsha, the story of promiscuity of Balpa'ar, which took place in chapter 25. In other words, he's a Navi, he's a Navi like any other Navi, however, he decided to go uh, over to the dark side, he decided to be bad. Rashbam similarly says, uh, when it says, we know who you will bless will be blessed, who you curse will be cursed, uh, he says that through the powers of Nevoah. He doesn't just bless, he blesses through the prophetic powers, whatever they are. He says, uh, Balak also knew that he was a prophet and that he used prophecy to tell the future. Um... Then the Rashbam says, "Oh, Alidek Samim, that there is a second possibility that it could be through charms or magic. The Rashbam raises the Machloket. Um, we'll soon we're going to see. Rashi and Rashbam essentially say that uh, Bilam is a Navi. And that gives exactly the drama to the story. And I'll explain the drama uh, presently. We're going to see that the Rashbam's second option and the Ramban actually are going to claim that Bilam could have been a Kosem. He actually is a fraud. He actually works not through the legitimate channels of Rabbanu Olam, but rather through the uh, uh, other channels. If Bilam is a Navi, then the entire story is strange. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain my question on, on the Rashi. I was always puzzled and bothered by this Rashi. See, Rashi says, look... Uh, the non-Jewish world uh, complain. They say, look, you had an Avram Avinu, a Yitzhak, a Yaakov, a Moshe. So, uh, of course you're on the right way. Uh, give us one of those and we'll also be fine. So who did God give them? Bilam. My question on the Rashi was, well, Bilam's a Menuval. Bilam is a, a lowlife. What, what do you want of Bilam? What do you want, you know... <laughs> It's like, uh, you know, if you, you say, you gave them gold, so I'll give you, uh, I don't know, something cheap. 
He gives them Bilam. Bilam is not a particularly ethical person. So, what sort of a head start are you giving the nations of the world? Why, in any way, should the worldwide community be relieved by the fact they got a Bilam? That's not giving them a chance. That's setting them back. Um, except that I'm not sure that it's entirely true. Um, and there's a fascinating parallel here, which I think should be uh, I should I should talk about, um, which um, leads me to a different conclusion. Uh, I mentioned the psukim in Devarim chapter 23 before. The the the, the psukim there, Perachaf uh, Gimel. Pasukhe actually tell us uh, where Bilam came from. The Bilam ben Baor comes from Aram Naharaim. And um, we know somebody else in our history who's come from Aram Naharaim. In fact, he is the founder of our religion in certain ways, Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu also comes from Aram, and he made exactly the same journey as Bilam. And here we're going to see a fascinating parallel uh, between Bilam and Avraham. And this parallel appears throughout Chazal. There's two people who come from Aram Naharaim. Uh, their power, or the bracha they're given, in Lech Lecha we're told about Avraham. I will bless those who, who uh, whoever you bless I will bless. Uh, those who curse you I will curse. Very similar language here. you are. Both the power of blessing and cursing in their hands. Both of them go along, they saddle their own donkeys, um, says the Gemara uh, in Sanhedrin, Bilam got up in the morning, he saddled his own donkey, Avraham, that uh, even great people, when they're really keen, they will do unusual things like degrading things like saddle their own donkey. Like Avraham, as it says, where Shkem Avraham Baboker, with the Akeda, Avraham got up and he saddled his own donkey. But Sinab Vatelet Shurashel Gdula mi Bilam, Shenemar Verkan Bilam Baboker Vechaboshet Atuno. We see two people set out with a donkey um, on a journey. Um, it's interesting, and both times they're going up to a mountain. Um, and they're going essentially to it seems like to ruin something right? and in each case uh, if you want God thwarts their actions with Abraham God tells him don't do the Akeda with Bilam uh, God doesn't let him say the Bracha uh, doesn't, God doesn't let him say the Kalala he thwarts his actions and turns them around 180 degrees so two people come from the same place two people with the same abilities two people Traveling uh, on uh, with, with the, saddle their donkey and travel with it up to a a mountain top somewhere um, with if you want death on their mind and God uh, turns the death into into life. It's quite a parallel. Um, by the way, <laughs> Chazal clearly had this in mind when again a famous Rashi. I know there are many people who learn Rashi on a regular basis, but it's interesting to tie into this the famous Rashi, where um, he, when Bilam hits the donkey three times, um, so the question he says, "Me'asiti lechaki kitani zeshalosh regalim," 
And uh, why did you hit me these three times? It uses the phrase Shalosh Shugalim. And it's, Rashi says, Ramazlo atama vakishla akor umaha chogeget shalosh shugalim bashana. You are trying to uproot a nation who celebrates three foot festivals to Jerusalem. Then, where's the connection? Uh, the only connection I can find is that what's on the mind of Rashi and the Balei Hadrash is that uh, Bilam is going up to his mountain, like Avram has his mountain, and of course Avram's mountain is Haramoriah. Um, and uh, suddenly the two overlay and we're going to see more overlaps the most famous maybe a text which parallels Bilam and Avraham is in Pirkei Avot where uh, in Perak Hay Mishnah Yutet Kol Mishish Biados Shloshadvrim Halalu Mitalmidav Shal Avraham Avinu Shloshadvrim Achirim Mitalmidav Shal Biram Arasha there are three traits which uh, make you into students or disciples of Abraham Avinu and three other traits which make you or three reverse traits which make you into a disciple of Bilam Harasha Ayin Tova a positive perspective or a good view a generous perspective Ruach Nemucha Venefel Shvala a certain humility and a self-effacement are Abraham Avinu's Midot Ayin Ra'a a negative view on everything, ruach vaha, a certain haughtiness, v'nefesh ruchava, a greediness, are binam harasha. Uma ben talmidav shel Avram Avinu le talmidav shel binam harasha. What's the difference between them? So, Avram Avinu enjoy this world and the next. Bilam, the talmidim of Bilam go to Gehinom. Uh, quite a serious statement. So, we have a quite a parallel. But, you know, What's what's going on here? What's the, what's the message? What's the message of making this parallel? And how do we answer the question I asked about Rashi? What sort of chance are the nations being given if they're being given a a a, a Bilam rather than an Avraham? Um, we all know the famous scene with Bilam when the angel comes to stop him, and Bilam shows his determination to go on with the mission. God had told him he could go, but uh, it says here that uh, there's a Malach Hashem and the way it's described is um, A Malach Hashem comes as a Satan to him, to oppose him and we all know that the first time the donkey goes into the field the second time uh, it, it, it grazes or injures his leg on the wall and the third time simply crouches down, and Bilam is determined to go on with the task. Many scholars have noted that uh, Avram Avinu also has a parallel in this uh, in this story. Uh, there's a very famous midrash about the Akedah that Avraham is on his way to the Akedah, and the Satan tries to stop him, and the Satan first uh, makes a stream, and Avram wades through the stream, and then Satan makes it go even even deeper. And uh, Avram persists. And then Satan makes the water so high that Avram cannot uh, get through. And Avram cries out to God and says, Please, let me do the mitzvah that you want me to do. And at that moment, God overpowers the Satan. And Avram is able to go on his way. Now, I think there are certain roots in this Midrash in, in Sefi Cheskel, But we won't get into those right now. But uh, having said that, it is clearly a reversal, it is clearly a mirroring. Once we have the Bilam-Avraham parallel, suddenly, if you can 
compare the two, suddenly certain elements of the Bilam story get brought in the Midrash uh, into the Avram story. Just like Bilam is trying to reach his destination, um, and he is opposed by a Satan, by a Malach, likewise, the Baal Hadrash say, oh, well, the same thing must have happened to Avraham, uh, the Satan is trying to stop him. Uh, but Avram persists, just like Bilam. What's, what's, what's going on here? So, if we can take this parallel and say that Bilam is a Navi, what are we going to be trying to say? Um, I think there are a few messages here. The first is, and it's actually, this is a similar message to Avraham and the Akedah. The first, the Rambam says very famously with the Akedah, the Akedah proves the power of Nevoah. Nobody would go out to slaughter their own son if they weren't 100% sure of Nevoah. 100% sure they got the message. Avram would never have done such a thing unless he was a thousand percent sure. And the fact that Avram would have so um, directly gone to perform the Akedah proves to us undoubtedly that Nevoah is true, that Nevoah is real. So says, uh, so says the Rambam on the story of the Akedah. Um, there's no doubt that's tr- that's true here as well. Nevoah is real, but let's understand what that we mean when we say Nevoah is real. Nevoah is real in such a way that you can't say what you want to say. Bilam has his own agenda. Bilam wants to curse the people. He wants to do what Balak says. Later on, we'll see he uses a different method. However, Nevoah is so real that comes, what comes out is only what God wants, to, wants you to say. By the way, it's the same thing about Korbanot. The amazing thing that Bilam does on the mountain is Korbanot. He, he makes each time seven Korbanot and he brings Korban after Korban. Again, another parallel with the Akedah. However, here, the, as many Korbanot as he brings, it doesn't help him. And this is the classic message which you see throughout Nevoah, throughout, throughout Nach in, in, in Navi, that God isn't interested in Korbanot per se, he is interested in us listening to him. Korbanot are a tool of kirva, of getting close to God, however they do not replace listening to God. And therefore, if I'm not going to be listening to God, Korbanot won't work. The Devar Hashem is supreme. The Devar Hashem is supreme in that once you are Navi, you speak what God says. And no Korban can divert God's wishes. Korbanot are not a means to bribe HaKadosh Baruch But if I can come to the third thing that I want to say, when we're thinking about this story, um, and the elements which are in common with the Akeda, is this. Amra Avinu also had choices, just like Bilam. And this is why the Midrash about Avra Avinu and the Satan trying to stop him on the way to Akeda is so powerful. The Goyim will turn around and say, why did Avram Avinu? Why, you gave him an Avram and you gave him a Bilam. The point being, everyone has choices. Avram could have chosen differently. Avram did not need to be uh, a person of Ayin Tov, Ruach Nemuchav, and Efesh Avram did not. Avram could have listened to the Satan. Avram could have uh, decided to follow his, maybe even his moral sense, which would have told him not to do the Akeda, to follow his own mind. But he didn't. Bilam also had the choice. Bilam had the choice to follow God or not, but he chose that he wanted to go his way. In other words, 
Nevoah is, first of all, point number one, Nevoah reigns supreme. If God wants to say something, he will say it. The Navi is a tool in that, he's a conduit, but the Navi cannot uh, determine the trajectory or the message of the Nevoah. That's point A. Point B, God gives these gifts to the Navi, uh, but of course, the Navi himself has to make certain choices. And uh, it is not that Bilam was in some way genetically or morally deficient. Bilam decided to make certain choices. Okay, that's section number one. I see our time is advancing and we're not going to get through everything I wanted to do. I'm going to go through at least uh, two other things, maybe the second one a little hurriedly and then move on to the third and see what we can say. The Ramban claims that... uh, uh, it's interesting, there's a Shitan, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, uh, once again, which says that uh, Rabbi Yochanan says that, uh, again, the Pasuk in Yoshua, Peret Yud Gimel, says that Bilam ben Boor ha-Kosem. That Bilam ben Boor was a Kosem, not a Navi. The Gemara says Kosem? What do you mean he was a, he was a, 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 a magician? Navi who? He was a prophet. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, bitchila Navi ulabasof Kosem. At the beginning he was a prophet, at the end he was a magician. The Ramban insists that uh, Bilam was not uh, a regular Navi. The Ramban says on Pasuk Lamad Aleph, where it says, And God opened Bilam's eyes, he says, hakatuv nilmad ki Bilam, lo haya navi. Bilam was not a Navi. Elahu, ilu haya navi. If he was a prophet, Why would he need to have his eyes open to see a Malach? And he compares this to uh, the Nar Elisha, the assistant to Elisha, or Hagar, who opened up her eyes, and Hagar wasn't a, a prophetess, but she had a, a moment of vision, a moment of clarity. Um, and uh, that is not the style that we see with regular Nevi'im. And he says that's exactly why Sefer Yoshua calls him a Kosem. Uh, it's certainly interesting the notion of Ksamim Biadam, or uh, later on, it says uh, in the Parsha when uh, Bilam is uh, uh, giving his uh, last Navua, it says, Vayar Bilam Kitov Bene Hashem Lavarechi Israel, the Lo Halach Kapam Bafam Likrat Nechashim. The word Nachash, right? The word Nachash is the notion of some sort of uh, charm or some sort of uh, magical thing. Um, which allows somebody to um, use, I don't know, I don't know what, what, what they exactly are, but dark channels, uh, black magic or whatever it is, in order to do certain things. Um, and the fact that he says, um, gives us the, uh, the sense that that's what he did on a regular basis, that he wasn't quite a... Um, a normal Navi. Um, and if that's true, then we have to ask ourselves what exactly is Bilam all about. Bilam isn't brought a thousand miles from Mesopotamia uh, just because he's a good magician. Or well, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was. But uh, it would seem to be that Bilam is a very, very powerful individual who was somebody who could really set opinions. Balak from Moav uh, has a scheme. And let me try and explain what's going on here. In Parshat Chukat, um, 
we found out and we read about how we destroyed Sichon and Og, the kingdoms of Sichon and Og. Now, just to understand a little bit about the geography, on the east bank of the Jordan River, there was an area known as Arvot Moav, and it was controlled by Sichon. It's very clear from the text there in Parshat Chukat that Sichon had won this land from Moab, and that's why it's called Arvot Moab. If it's Arvot Moab, why does Sichon Melech Emori live there? Because he captured it from Moab. Suddenly, Bnei Israel have overpowered Sichon, and that's scary for Moab. However, as we read in a Haftarah, Moab never give up on the hope of getting that land back, and it would appear, see, it would appear that Moab know that Bnei Israel are not going to attack them. That, that's what it would seem to me. But Israel are not going to attack them. Um, how do I know that? Because we already asked Moab for safe passage, but he didn't grant it. And we didn't attack him then. If we didn't attack him some time ago, when we could have, uh, why attack him now? I don't think Moab is worried about attack. I think what Moab is interested in is in some way um, ridding us from his northern border so that he can get back his land. Again, read the Haftarah and you will see that even 300 years later, Moab do not give up their hope that they will return to the land on the east bank of the Jordan. It would seem that Balak, if he is a Kosem, if he's not a Navi, well, maybe they believed in him, but uh, then God doesn't need to thwart what he does. God doesn't need to get involved. Unless you could claim that God is interested in showing his love in the royal court of, of, uh, of Moab. But... It would appear that Bilam, you know, we have archaeological evidence of letters from Bilam, or Bilam's name mentioned in, in, in various uh, documents archaeologically. It would seem that Bilam was a, really, was, a, was a religious man, a spiritual leader, whose word could set destinies. Maybe if I could say today an example in the economic world, if Warren Buffett gives a certain economic prediction, if um, Bill Gates says something about the business world, then this can send shares toppling, send uh, shares flying. Uh, one person says something, it can really set agendas. Sometimes somebody uh, can say something, and in the long term it sets certain uh, mechanisms in place. And sometimes in a real sense, it gives people confidence, it gives people a lack of confidence, it sets a certain tone of how things are going to be um, and uh, sometimes words can really create reality. Sometimes I feel this way with uh, Nasrallah. When Nasrallah speaks in Lebanon, a lot of Israelis take his words very, very seriously, I think too seriously, and, and get very scared. If, if Bilam is sort of like an ancient day Nasrallah, where uh, a spiritual personality with political ambitions, um, who comes to curse the people, then what he's really saying is, what he really is, is a propagandist. And here I turn to a fascinating Gemara, again, where else in Sanhedrin, where it says exactly what he was hired to do. What was the bracha and the klala? The Gemara says here, again, Rabbi Yochanan, from the bracha of that rasha, you learn what was in his heart. Uh, so he says, when he said, Matovo Alecha Yaakov, uh, what was he saying? He was saying that was the bracha. So what was the opposite? Obviously, that you are not surrounded by God. Part of Am Yisrael's identity, part of Am Yisrael's business card, was that they were the people of God. God won't be associated with you. You will not have 
you will never be, have a government. Kanachalim Natayu is the bracha. What was he want to say? He wanted to say, you will never have fields. You will never have uh, olive orchards and vineyards. Um, you won't have kings of any value. According to the Gemara here, this is all about whether Am Yisrael will be able to make the move from being a nomadic nation in the desert to statehood. Are we going to be able to do it? Am Yisrael have certain pretensions, ambitions. We have a plan. The question is, are they, is it a plan? Is it a realistic plan? Or is it pretensions? Bilam was hired as a, 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 as a publicist. If you say that Bilam is a Kosem, why was God interested in him? Why was God interested in changing what he said? Because he could set opinions throughout the region. He was such a powerful man, it was worthwhile paying Malay Beitolds, Kesev Zahav, it was worthwhile sending for him a thousand miles away. Why? Because Bilam had the power, had the ability to sway opinion in such a sense that he could probably scare B'nai Israel and set the word out that everybody should see them as an enemy. So much in warfare is psychological. If we can convince the nations that Am Israel are not worthy of being a nation, it's fascinating the way that, that Balak talks. When he talks about the people, if I go back to the beginning of the parasha, it says, Hine Am Yatsam Later he says about them, uh, when he calls him, he says, This language totally reminds us of the language of Pharaoh in uh, Perak Aleph of Shemot. The same word, But you notice that Balak doesn't even use the word B'nai Israel. He just says, Am Yatsam Mimitzrayim. Rav Atsumimenu. What are we worried about? Agarshenu Mina Aretz. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't want these people on my northern border. I want that land. I look at these people as a nation, a rabble of slaves who have just come out of Egypt. Let's keep them in everybody's mind as a rabble of slaves and we will have the psychological advantage. We will be able to defeat them in the battlefield. We will rouse our nation in order to uh, defeat them. If Bilam is a Kosem, then that is what he's doing. Now we've gone well over our time, so I'm not going to be able to get on to answering the question about Benot Midian. Um, maybe we will try and pick this up uh, next week or in some future time. Thank you very much.